I have my own set of fans on me here today. Thank you. Oh my. If any of you are feeling warm, remember that a year ago we were homeless. And remember those weeks out in the parking lot in 90 degree weather. This feels wonderful in here by way of comparison. Want you to know that uh, Brother Alex, Pastor Alex is not with us. He and Teresa are at the Trinity Christian Church of Greater Philadelphia uh, in uh, Havertown. Alex was invited to preach there uh, this Lord's Day, and so may the Lord bless our brother uh, and the ministry of the Word there. And I do want to just remind you, not just remind you as if this is a small thing, I want to clearly and emphatically remind you of our midweek family devotion time every Wednesday evening at 7.30 via Zoom. Uh, there have been a number of us gathering to pray. pray. If you've ever wanted to learn how to pray, to pray meaningfully and to pray deeply, uh, this is the place to be. These are seasons of intense spiritual prayer rooted in God's Word. Our midweek family devotions uh, via Zoom. Just keep your eye open for, uh, for the information about, <clears throat> about that. Well then, let's open God's Word. Colossians chapter 1. We are several weeks into a series through the book of Colossians, uh, and our hearts have already been deeply affected uh, by the truth, the clear revelation of truth that God has given to us here. Colossians chapter 1 uh, and verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. 15. If you do not have a Bible but have some kind of uh, electronic device, then you could uh, punch in the ESV uh, Bible and then just click on to the book of Colossians uh, chapter 1 and you will arrive where we are. Colossians 1 and beginning in verse 15. He, that is, God's beloved Son, mentioned in verse 13, and the Lord Jesus Christ, mentioned in verse 3, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross." 
Our Father in heaven, may you please pour out your Spirit upon us that we might proclaim and hear your truth in the heart for your glory, we pray. Amen. Well, if we were to take a poll of Americans today, somewhere between 80 to 90 percent of Americans will say that they believe in a supreme being. 80 to 90 percent believe in a supreme being. Now, I have to say this morning that that communicates to me something of a living, breathing, almost screaming inconsistency in how that plays out in people's lives. I feel like the movie character who says something like, I don't think that word means what you think it means. For when you think about the word supreme, Are we not thinking about that which is of utmost importance? Are we not talking about that which is highest and best and most important? So that when we talk about a supreme being, we are talking about one who is superior to, more important than every other being that exists. And yet, if you look at those 80 to 90% of Americans who claim to believe in a supreme being, it doesn't take long to realize that very few of them are treating him as if he is the supreme being. And indeed, this is one of the most glaring hypocrisies of our generation and of our world today. People believe in a being who is supreme and yet treat him as if he is on the fringes or the periphery of their lives. If indeed there is a supreme being, then the only logical conclusion we can make is that he must be pursued and desired and cherished and loved and known supremely. And everything else is hypocrisy. But we are not interested, are we, in merely a supreme being. We want to know who that supreme being is. And I'm here to declare to you the Word of God that the Supreme Being has a name. And His name is Jesus. So, so thankful for Alex's message last week. And by the way, side note, I am so, so incredibly thankful for the experience of worship that we had this morning. And in comparison to, though contrast to, the experience of worship we had last week. Those of you who were here will realize that we raised the roof last week in in classical hymns and pipe organ, and then this week raised the roof in a different way. And for those who are guests or new to us, you need to understand this is not because we just take turns with different styles. This is because we believe in the depths of our heart that God is most honored when all the styles come together. 
And when all different kinds of people join heart and voice in one song. So one week, the organ's playing. The next week, we hear what we heard today. And we experience what we heard today. God be praised for bringing us together. But who has brought us together? It is the supreme being who has brought us together. It is that one who is above all others. Alex in his message last week made this summary statement, as God, creator, and sustainer, Jesus has absolute supremacy over everything in creation. As God, creator, and sustainer, Jesus has absolute supremacy over everything in creator in creation. And the same author who wrote Colossians chapter 1 wrote over in Philippians chapter 2 that God has highly exalted Him, Jesus, and given Him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, there is a supreme being and He has a name. Jesus Christ the Lord. Now we're going to look at Colossians 1 in verse 18 today. Just one verse for this sermon. Just one verse. Colossians 1 and verse 18, which is going to take us further in, in our understanding of who this supreme being is. We will learn four primary truths about Jesus in this one verse. And each one of these truths has massive implications and applications to our lives. From these four truths, we learn that Jesus Christ is the supreme being, and we must bow before Him and confess His name. Jesus Christ is the supreme being, and we must all bow before Him and confess His name. We will see that He is the supreme being through these four truths. He is the head of the church. He is the beginning of all that is coming. He is the firstborn from the dead. And He is the first. He is the highest. He is the most important. The preeminent one over all that is. So, let's look at these together. First, He is the head of the church. Colossians 1 and verse 18, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the head of the church. The church is in Scripture, a reference at times to a local church like this, but often as well, it is a reference to all believers throughout all of time from everywhere on the planet. The the church is every single person who has ever confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, who has ever surrendered to the Lordship of Christ and owned Him to be their Savior and their God. The church is everywhere where the Gospel is preached. But the church everywhere 
is made up of 10 million little gatherings like this. I had the privilege yesterday of ministering uh, in Northeast Philadelphia to two local churches there. Uh, and these were churches made up of people of various shades and shapes and sizes and circumstances of life. And these are very small churches, but they are the church just like we are. Just like we are. From the mega church to the tiny church. All those who know and love the Lord Jesus are part of the church. And He is the head of the church. Not Tim Shorey. Not you. None of us. He is the head of the church. There is no man other than the man Christ Jesus. He is the head of the church. And that, that means two or three things. First of all, the church belongs to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus. He is head of the church. His body. It is His body. And His church. It belongs to Him. And so we must always think of it in these and those terms. Not, this is my church, or this is Tim Shorey's church, or this is... No, this is His church. It belongs to Him. It suggests as well that the church submits to Jesus, for He is the head of the body. And the head is that which provides leadership and guidance and direction to the church. He and the church is to submit to the head. It is not a good thing when the members of our body live in open defiance uh, to our heads. It happens to me more often all the time the older I get when I want my body to do something and it refuses. It doesn't comply. It doesn't yield. It doesn't recognize the authority of my head. It's not a good thing when that happens. It's not a good thing when that happens in the church. There is one head. And He has authority over us. And the church submits to Jesus through the preaching and teaching of His Word. And we learn from this truth not only that the church belongs to Jesus and submits to Jesus, but that the church matters to Jesus. It is His body. And we read, don't we, in Ephesians chapter 5 that Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. The church matters. To Jesus. And if the church matters to Jesus, then my dear friend, the church must matter to you and to me. We live again in a time and in a day when the church is on the fringe and the periphery of people's lives. It's fit in wherever it is convenient and wherever it fits. Oh, my friends, this is not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is full of love for the church. And we need to have a heart like His. The church, He is the head of the body. The body, the church, belongs to Him. The church submits to Him. The church matters to Him. Next, next, He is the beginner of all that is coming. He is the beginner of all 
that is coming. Verse 18, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. He is the beginning. I love it. I just, I just love the way that's worded. He is the beginning. Jesus is the beginning. Well, the beginning of what? Well, the beginning of all that is to come. All the good and all the glorious and all the wonderful that is to come. He is the beginning of the, the kingdom of God as it is slowly spreading across this world. He is the beginning of peace and grace and joy in our lives. He is the beginning of the transformation of the cosmos and the restoration of all that is. He is the beginning of the eternal day when all things are going to be made perfect and new. He is the beginning of it all through His coming and His living and His dying and His rising from the dead and His returning to glory and His sitting on the throne and His reigning until all of His enemies have been made His footstool. He is the beginning of it all. He is the beginning of everything that is coming. This is, this is one of the great and glorious realities of the Christian faith. We believe in a new beginning. There was an old beginning. There was Adam and Eve and Eden. There was an old beginning and that didn't go well. But there is now a new beginning in Christ. Jesus, the second Adam, has come. And He has done all things well. He has done all things perfectly. He did what the first Adam did not do and could not do. Jesus came and obeyed perfectly and lived perfectly and died sacrificially and rose triumphantly. And in coming, He is leading us toward the eternal Eden, the eternal paradise where we will die no more, where sufferings will be over forever. He is the One who is making all things new. Yes. He is the beginner of all things. And as my heart reflects on this, when I think about it cosmically, it just blows my mind. <laughs> it, when it's all said and done, everything that has ever been will be made completely new. The whole cosmos, and I don't want to steal Rick's thunder for next week, so I have to stop myself right there. Uh, he's making it all new. And do you know what? It's, it's not just cosmically and globally, it's personally. Second Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ Jesus. He is what? A new creation. He is a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He is the beginning. If you are tired of the old, are you, if you are tired of what has been, if you are tired of life as you have lived it, 
with all of the frustration and all of the sin and all of the failure and all of the stumblings and all of the bumblings, if you are weary of the old and longing for something new, then submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And He will make all things new beginning in you. He will transform you. You will be a new creation in Christ. And by His power, He will keep working and working and working and working and working until more and more of the old passes away and is replaced by the new. Oh, bow your knee to King Jesus and watch what He does in your life. He is the head of the church. He is the beginner of all that is coming. And third, He is the firstborn from the dead. Verse 18, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that He in everything might be preeminent. He is the firstborn from the dead. Notice first that phrase, from the dead. The Greek word that Paul uses here speaks uh, of being out of or out from among the dead. He was among the dead, but he has, is now the firstborn from among the dead or the dead ones. When he died on the cross, he joined the dead ones. He joined the dead ones, but, but He is the firstborn from the dead. There came a moment, if I can portray it to you in this way, there came a moment when He was in the grave among the dead that Jesus stood up above them all and said, I'm going back and I'm not coming back. There was a moment when He was among the dead. When He was dead and among the dead. When He rose up and said, I'm going back. And I'm not coming back. I am alive forevermore. And He raised Himself from the dead. And He did this not just for Himself. He did this as what? The firstborn from the dead, which means that He was not the only born from the dead. He was the firstborn from the dead. There's a huge difference. The only born from the dead means He's the only one. And the rest of us die and stay dead. But He is the firstborn from the dead, meaning that He has power and rank over death itself and that we will follow in His train. We are going to be the second born and the third and the one millionth born. Those of us who have come to faith in Christ, for us, death has died. Death has died. He is the firstborn from the dead. Now let's notice that these first three truths about Jesus lead to a fourth one. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginner of all that is coming. He is the firstborn 
from among the dead. That, verse 18, that in everything He might be preeminent. If you want the full impact of Paul's language, he says He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. So that, or so that He might fulfill this purpose and this goal and this end, so that He might be and would be in everything preeminent. That, that He might be the highest and the most important one in all the universe. The first three of this, these head of the body, the church, beginning of all that is to come, firstborn from the dead, the first three of those are all aiming at one final objective. God has one design, one plan, one purpose for all things. And that is that the day is coming when He, Jesus, will be preeminent. And everybody is going to know it. There will be no secret about it. There will be no hiddenness about it. There will be no invisibility about it. The day is coming when with our own eyes we shall see Him and every knee will bow. Whether they bow in this life or not, they will bow on that day. And every tongue will confess, whether they confess it now or not, they will confess it on that day that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, there is, there is a plan. There is a purpose. Everything, everything that has ever happened or ever will happen is moving all of us toward that day when we shall see Him and know exactly in that moment that there is a supreme being and He has a name. Jesus Christ the Lord. This begs the question. Are you treating the supreme being as if He is supreme? Are you responding to the preeminent one as if He is preeminent? A different way to ask that question is, what or who is most important in your life? What are you living for? Who are you living for? Who has first place? What has first place for you? If it is anyone or anything other than King Jesus, then whatever that is, is some kind of idol or God replacement in your life. And this morning, I want to challenge and invite all of you in this moment to consider who the Supreme One is and whether or not you are willing to surrender to Him. Are you?
are you? And don't say, well, I did that a long time ago and now I'm just kind of living my life. No, can I ask you, think about it now. Think about it in this moment. Think about it in this past week. Who or what was preeminent in your life? You see, these truths are not meant just to give us some kind of uh, emotional experience or some kind of uh, things to think about in life. No, these truths are meant to transform. These truths are meant to work their way into our hearts and into our consciences. Wait a minute. If there is a supreme being and His name is Jesus, then I must love Jesus supremely and serve Jesus supremely and devote my life to Jesus supremely and give everything I am in service and enjoy Him supremely and delight in Him supremely. He he must not just in word be the supreme being, but in faith and life and surrender and obedience and joy be supreme being. And so this morning, don't, don't leave here. Please don't leave here. The same as you came in. Don't walk out with the same supreme being in your life than you had when you walked in. Make sure that the supreme one in your life is the one who is, in fact, supreme. He is the head of the church, His body. He is the beginning of all that is coming. He is the firstborn from the dead. And He is the most important, highest, preeminent One before whom we are all called to live and love and bow and serve and enjoy. Let's pray. O oh Lord our God, we in this moment feel the sense that these are truths not to be trifled with, not quickly forgotten. These are realities intended to change everything in us and about us. In these truths, we discover the very meaning of life and the whole purpose for our existence that we might know, that we might believe, and that we might live in the knowledge that Jesus is Lord. Would you please O oh Lord, grant eyes to see Him, faith to trust Him, humility to surrender, boldness to declare, to confess the name of Christ. If anyone here, Lord, has never done that before, would you please, Father, would you please keep them in their seats? 
glue them where they are until they have surrendered to you. May everyone here, no matter how old or young, no matter how many times or few times each has been to church, may everyone realize that there is one who is the head of the church. And we belong and we matter to Him. And now, Lord, help us in song to respond in beholding our God in all of your goodness and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.